The Frequency 49 show continues to expand its worldwide audience, and we would like to thank you, the listeners and contributors, for making the show so popular. Everyone involved in making the show, from the presenters in front of the microphones to the researchers and editors in the back room, give their time freely. However, there are costs in publishing the shows and keeping the archived episodes available to all. To raise funds to cover the cost of publishing, we've set up a GoFundMe page for anyone that may wish to donate towards those running costs. No matter how much you can afford to donate, we appreciate it, and it'll keep the show on the air for another year. If you'd like to donate, visit GoFundMe.com and search Frequency 49 Show. Visit our Facebook page, Niner Empire GB, for more information, or click on the link in the show's description. Interest is based on show content. Approval is subject to you being a fan of the San Francisco 49ers. Your home is at risk if you set fireworks off in it. Welcome to the Frequency 49 show. I'm Kat Victorino, and joining me today are Deepak Gohill and Lisa Lawrence. Hey, guys. Hello. Hi, everybody. So this past Sunday, the Niners went into Miami to face off against the uh, Kansas City Chiefs, and in our, hmm, shall we say, typical fashion, gave it away at the end. We saw a lot of that last year, guys. Oh, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. As you can tell, we're a little despondent about the result. But but do you think that we really that we really gave it all away, or was there were there some other factors as well? Well, I mean, how do you want to look at it? I mean, look looking on paper at everything the team did through the first three and a half quarters was pretty spot on. But what happened in that fourth quarter? Because we basically turned away from the run, and went back to our old ways of making mistakes. We basically snatched defeat from the jaws of victory. I think, you know, the, <laughs> the, the, the game wasn't called very well at all. Uh, I would say it was borderline poorly called. A lot of people are saying it was an agenda. I don't think there was an agenda, but at the very, very best, it was horribly, horribly, horribly called by the officials. But... That said, you know, for reasons which I'm sure we'll get into, it was not really why we lost the game, but it was a factor. Yeah, I mean, Kittle's offensive pass interference, which technically was an offensive pass interference, my, my bone of contention being that that could happen 3,000 times and never be flagged in a regular season, but in a Super Bowl it gets a flag. That's, that's, that's what I can't accept. I mean, yes, it was, but for me... The fact that they did not call a single offensive hold, the most called penalty in all of professional football, was not called once in that Super Bowl. And that reason and I, alone should be enough to tell you that whoever was officiating that was just grossly incompetent at best. Yeah, I agree. And I saw at least two, if not three, blatant holds on Bosa. Oh, gosh, on Bosa, on Kittle, the holds were everywhere, to, to the point where it, it was almost like, let them hold, you know, and that's fine, but the laws of the game say that you're not allowed to hold. So if one team can hold, both teams should be allowed to hold. But I'll still maintain that that's not why we lost. You know, there was a, it was a factor no. and a reason for it, but... It was a contributing factor, but not the reason why we lost. 
there's always going to be bad officiating. That's inherent in the sport. You know, it's a human game. You've got humans playing the game. You've got humans officiating the game. So you're going to have those bad calls. We can't just sit here and, and blame the officiating. We had every opportunity to turn it around. I mean, right after they scored that touchdown in the fourth quarter to um, tighten our lead down to three, we easily should have turned around and answered that touchdown like we had done in previous games. And we just made mistake after mistake after mistake in those last seven minutes of the game. Pure capitulation. And, and I think, you know, yes, Kansas City, they won it. And you have to say, yeah, they deserve to win it, but they deserve to win it because they simply took what we gave them and we gave them a lot. We gave them... When I say we gave them a lot, I'm saying we gave them Super Bowl 54. And if you give a team like that Super Bowl 54, they're going to take Super Bowl 54. That's why we lost the game. Where do we put that, though? I mean... Well, where do you start? We've covered officials. We've mentioned those. I think Shanahan has to take a good portion of the blame. I think Garoppolo has to take a portion of the blame. I think um, Robert Sala has to take a portion of the blame. You know, I think, think mostly has to take some blame, but the blame is for errors that are uncharacteristic and errors that we're not used to seeing. Bar from Garoppolo, we knew going into this game that kid has got an insane turnover in him every single game, and yeah, I mean, was it five against Pittsburgh? And you th and for there was a while where he sort of got over it, but he could have and should have taken the sack or thrown the ball out of bounds. A lot earlier, but no, he has to do his thing and just throw it somewhere, anywhere. And they got an interception, and they only scored three points from it, which is a credit to the defense. But yeah, you cannot yeah. give Mahomes the ball for free, right? And Garoppolo did, and time and time again, he could not look beyond his first read. Had Kittle wide open, that third down. Emmanuel Sanders, wide open, and he overthrows him. And the throws that he did connect on, very high, or to the back, or to the side. Receivers have to adjust. It gives a defensive player a lot more time to make a tackle and prevent the yards after the catch, which is our bread and butter, you know. Mm. So, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, I'm not saying Garoppolo should be gone. I think he's definitely our future mm -hmm. QB. But I think people need to understand that, you know, he's... He's not quite, he screwed the pooch, but he shit the bed, however you want to call it. He did not have the stones to do basic things. Shanahan called good plays for him, and he just failed to execute them. You know, it's as simple as that. I love the guy, but you have to call him out where he's wrong, and I think he, he was a, a huge factor in us losing that game. That's not to say he was terrible. There was long periods where he was very, very good indeed. But when it mattered, you know, he couldn't look beyond his first progression. So many wide open players and he could not literally. I think when he comes out of the huddle, he knows who he's going to throw it to. And that's the be all and end all of that play. He doesn't have that ability to stretch the field out. He doesn't have that thing to extend the play, you know, and see where other people are. He doesn't have that awareness in him. And I think that's going to be something he can address quite easily by studying lots of film and looking at playbooks all summer long. He really needs to fix that part of his game. Well, and I was going to ask, do you think that's just 
a measure of his his inexperience. I mean, this is really his first season as a starting quarterback. Exactly what I was going to ask, Kat. I think that's fair enough. But the kid who won the Super Bowl in the NFL MVP is 24 years old. This guy's 28 years old. Granted, but Mahomes has been starting a lot longer than Garoppolo has. Yeah, he has. And in Garoppolo's big defense, he's not only literally lost an entire season with a horrible injury, but he's come back from one too. But the point that I'm making is that the blown reads that he had, I can't really attribute them down to inexperience because it's something most basic quarterbacks would be able to identify. You know, you don't need a super level of QB play to execute those sorts of plays that were that Shani had designed and would have won us the game. You know, that's not to say okay. Shani's entirely blameless in this shitstorm because he has got a portion of the blame too. But I think mm-hmm. those plays were, were fairly simplistic. If you look beyond your first read, you're going to see guys open all over the place. And he and he failed to do it. There was a tweet from somebody, can't remember his name, and he, he delves into the forensics of it and it's, it's horrible to watch because it's so true. I felt though that, that towards the very end, especially the last, the last few, you know, half of the of the fourth quarter, I felt as though Garoppolo's lack of experience, you know, and 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 long tenure in the game to this point, and the gravity of what was happening. I think he knew what was happening, and I wonder if there might have been a bit of panic or feeling the walls close in on him a bit. Whereas maybe, you know, someone who's been there, done that, you know, no, I, I don't know. I felt there was a psychological something going on with him. If anything, I think he would have had the psychological edge because he's backed up Tom Brady twice in a Super Bowl. You know, Mahomes never been to one. His team's not been to one in 50-something mm-hmm. years. But um, I, I think that's that quite fair to say, Lisa, because it is a big occasion. It's gut check time. You're in a situation where you're being trusted to win a game. Yeah. 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 Let's be honest. It could get to anybody. You know, it's it's a mm-hmm. difficult pressure to manage. But like I say, um, 28 years old. I know he's had injuries and everything, but I think he's got next year to to show something a little bit more than he showed us in a game where it mattered, where it truly mattered. The Super Bowl is all the marbles. You know, it's one thing to do it against <clears throat> the Saints and against. Drew Brees, you know, and in, in, it was literally playoff type conditions. It's another to yeah. do it when, you know, you, you're in the Super Bowl. You know, that's when it matters. That's, that's what it's all about when it counts. Well, he only went 20 for 31 with 219 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions, a 69.2 passer rating, not his greatest game, but he did look good the first half. So it's there. <laughs> oh, it is there, but. And again, I think this is where Shani has to take a look at himself in the mirror, and I think John Lynch will chew him out. Shani abandoned the running play when it was doing really well. God, and that pissed me off. I cannot tell you how mad that made me. Yeah. You set the run play to establish a pass play, and if the Chiefs are giving you the pass, naturally you take the pass. Unfortunately, Garoppolo couldn't capitalize on that, but there was no need for us to, to not use most of it. You know, who's a productive back. We were averaging six yards a carry in that game. Why would you just stop doing it? Why would you surrender an opportunity to go a touchdown ahead at half time by not using your timeouts? Well, I, that just made no sense to me whatsoever. And 
I say this going off of what I saw live, because this is a game I never want to watch again for the rest of my mm -hmm. life. I don't want to see a highlight. I don't want to see anything. I'm so angry at the way we lost this game because we just surrendered it, you know, and, it, and, I, and I want to hear, I, I'd love to be the fly on the wall when Lynch and Shani have a deep dive and a forensic into this game. I mean, Lynch was signaling time out, time out, you know. I saw that. And he was spitting feathers, you know. I'm thinking, yeah. God, even the GM sees this, but the coach doesn't. What's going on here, you know? Oof. Yeah, it's just... I, the, the run game, Coleman was averaging 5.6 yards. Uh, Mostert was averaging 4.8 yards. I mean, you know, running back by committee right there, Coleman, Mostert, Coleman, Mostert, you know, between the two of them, we could move the chains. So I'm just, I can't get over that piece of it, you know. You're forgetting Debo. Debo was explosive every time he got Oh, ball. God, yeah. It was awesome. Yeah. Yeah, we never used him. You know, no. we used him twice, three times, and that was it. I mean. Yeah. And five catches. This is where you need your best playmakers, the guys that can get you big chunks of yard. You know, Kittle was very underused in this game. And I remember sometimes we would discuss about Kittle and Garoppolo saying, is Garoppolo too reliant on throwing on just the Kittle? Because every pass was to Kittle. Well, when he needed to make every ball to Kittle, he didn't do it. You know, <laughs> he didn't do it. And Kittle was wide open. Boy, was he ever. You know, but <sighs> again, he got screwed on that pass interference, which really wasn't, but was, but shouldn't have been called. Technically, it was. <laughs> but, you know, if you're going to call it on us, you need to call it on them. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to call that, then you call the offensive holding. You call the touchdown that wasn't a touchdown on their, mm -hmm. on their fourth down. They actually got a first down. They gave him a touchdown. The kid was on the line and he hadn't broken the plane. And they said there's no conclusive evidence. I'm sorry. The foot was out of bounds. My son messaged me and he said he said the game's over. Yeah, I, I think yeah. they knew then that, that was it, that we were not yeah. going to win it. And that was the dagger. Well, and the, and the blatant personal foul of pushing Garoppolo when he was already out of bounds, right there in front yes. of Shanahan. I mean, and Shanahan yeah. was absolutely berserk about it. And it's like, you know, if the NFL really cares about injuries to quarterbacks and things like that, and then right there... And nothing? What about helmet to helmet, where the Chiefs defend with the crown of his helmet, and smash Garoppolo in the head with it? Nothing. You know, and Garoppolo, he looked quite wobbly after that. Maybe that might have shaken his marbles a little bit. That could very well be. So obviously the group is feeling the same way we are. Jason Argo asks, now Andy Reid has the monkey off his back. Has it jumped onto Kyle Shanahan's? Are his play calling and tactics suspect? letting the clock run at the end of the second quarter, going with the passing game in the fourth. What do you guys think? I mean, we kind of touched on it already, but I mean, is there a problem with Shanahan and his play calling late in a game? No, I don't think it's his play calling as such. I think what let us down was the execution of it by the quarterback and because he couldn't go past the first read. But as a side, Shani's clock management has been horrific from day one. It's something that he's never ever managed to fix and his his clock management in the Super Bowl was at best very amateur you know he it cost us several scoring opportunities so you know his play calling the, the guy's the best play caller in the NFL he's a genius offensively 
but he doesn't have clock management skills. He's shown us that over the course of the season and ultimately in the game where it counted, he, he squandered the opportunities by managing, by failing to manage the clock. Hey, you're talking about Shanahan there, right, Deepak? Yeah, yeah. But, but, yeah. Do, but don't, you, don't you think that, that uh, Jimmy has some, he has some responsibility in clock management as well? Oh, absolutely do. I, I, I absolutely do. The question that he was asking was Shani's play designs for data fall. And I, I don't think they were, I think they were good, good calls that he was, he was putting out there for them to run. I just think the execution let us down. But, but going back to the end of the first half in particular, you know, we, we totally screwed the pooch. And then at the end of the fourth quarter, there was 150 left. We had three timeouts because he didn't call them. We had 50 seconds left. It's over a minute gone because we didn't call a timeout. You know, it's very, very poor timeout. Yeah, that was that was bad. Very poor. So his play calling is fine, but there are other elements in his coaching that he either needs to hire some help to guide him through that, or or he needs to work on that element himself. Well, personally, I think he needs to hire a guy to do that. I don't think he should be calling the plays for the offense. I agree. No, I agree. Yep. I have said that from day one. Yep. So what would you suggest, making him an offensive coordinator and having a, a separate head coach, or how would that look like? I think he's fine as head coach if he gives the offense to somebody else. He can design all the schemes, but turn it over to someone else to, to put it together. I think oh, you're right, Kat. We could be going down sort of... See, I want to keep this guy forever. Oh, me too. For one reason only, I think his his play calling is genius, and... Something that he's demonstrated to us, he doesn't need all pro-quality players to execute his plays. Most have been an example in point where he'd been passed up by six or seven teams. He didn't suddenly become all pro and all world by coming to San Francisco. It's because he's capable of executing those plays that he's designed. But I I think as head coach, he made a lot of rookie head coach errors, that's for sure. And he's up against Andy Reid, who's a very mature head coach, well seasoned. <laughs> the one who shits the bed in the playoffs, but he didn't this time. So the match matchup was there. I mean, Shannon's play calling, infinitely better than KC's, infinitely better. But the experience of knowing how to make the clock work for you, not against you, knowing what tactic, strategy to abandon and what to use. I mean, really beat him hands down. He knew how to stop the defense after their first drive led to a punt. He knew how to stop our offense once we'd driven upfield and missed the opportunity of a touchdown, but we opened with a field goal. He's shown Reed enough there to know I'm going to make adjustments, adjustments that we failed to make in return. Simonius J. Figglesticks asks, how does Shani come back from this season with him being the play caller in two of the three games with 10-point fourth-quarter leads blown? Easy. We go next year and we win it. That's how he comes back from this because (laughs) this this is a monkey on his back that, you know, he's put on himself rather than he deserves to have it. It sounds really bad when you say that too, Kat. (laughs) Just reporting the facts, ma'am. Oh. (laughs) Football's just one of those games where winning makes everything forgotten. Absolutely. And the problem we have is it's such a long off-season. We have to take this with us until September. That's, that's why it's painful. But Shani will be back. He'll learn from this. The, these players seek perfection in everything they do. And they will be their biggest self-critics. They'll watch the film and they'll analyze what they can do better. And they'll 
going to mini camp and summer camp and iron out these kinks, I have no reason to doubt why we shouldn't be back again next season. And it's like Kittle says, he's not done. He wants a, He's going to come back. This is not the end of it. Jason Argo asks, do we need to find a better kick returner? I don't think Richie James made it past the 20-yard line. Richie had some good kick returns this season. I think it's a little early to write him off. Yeah, was this the same fella that nearly that muffed the, the punt? Yeah, he never got past the 20, if I can remember straight. His returns in that game weren't particularly inspiring, but... You know, kick returns are becoming a thing of the past generally in the NFL. You know, not many people are really getting good field position off a kick return. I don't know. But yeah, we weren't particularly inspiring in that department. Steve Richardson, we obviously had trouble with the mobile quarterbacks this season. Lamar Jackson, Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes, Kyler Murray. What can we do to address this problem next year, especially since two of them are in our division? Russell Wilson's on a mission to kill us every single time he plays us so I don't know what we can do to stop that little shit (laughs) well do we need more pressure on them I mean how do we get them out of their rhythm next year Uh, I think it's fairly straightforward you score more points on them so that (laughs) you know you keep them on the bench they they don't have the ball they can't hurt you that's how you beat them so Mark Noli asks, what do we need most to strengthen the squad? I feel we need more offensive weapons, especially some wide receivers. Um, Emmanuel Sanders comes up for free agency, and he was a favorite weapon for Garoppolo. I, I think we need more playmakers, if that makes sense. And depending on what happens with um, Mr. Staley, who's been a, a great servant to the team, we may need a left tackle. Maybe a cornerback. You know, we need some help in those positions. And don't we need to tie up George Kittle, too? I'm looking at my list, and I could have swore that George Kittle was supposed to be on it. Those are all the money, whatever they want. Just oh, throw absolutely. It at them. Give it to them. Give it to me, <laughs> I'll give it to them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, just pay them whatever they want. <laughs> Mark Belayer, one thing I'd like to consider is the supposed issue of Shanahan trusting Jimmy. Do we genuinely think that Shanners doesn't trust him? Is the end of, a, of the first half a sign of that? Like the Vikings and Packers games. If the answer is that is yes, where does that leave us with Jimmy? Not a good look if the head coach and offensive play caller doesn't trust his quarterback. I'm not saying that's the case, but I'm interested to hear what others think about this. I think it would be very unprofessional to think that Shanahan doesn't trust his quarterback because that's the guy who's going to win you a game, you know. So I would tend to disagree. I think Shani does trust Jimmy G. I think he demonstrated that by a, <laughs> stupidly abandoning a perfectly good running game. So, running game. You know, and designing plays that could get huge, huge chunks of yards that his QB couldn't execute. To me, that's showing trust in your quarterback, that I'm giving you the opportunity to make these big plays. But if your QB can't do it, you know, you can't do it. And that's the end of it. You know, you lose the game. Stephen Box, Mostert ran for more than 200 yards against Green Bay, yet didn't touch the ball until the second quarter. Can somebody explain that to me? Oh, you remember I was at that game and he was such a beast. And I think it was very disappointing to see that, that he wasn't getting the ball. And, and I have no explanation for that. Maybe they just figured that, that Kansas City was going to assume that he was going to get the ball and 
I, I don't know. Yeah. It, it, again, it just makes no sense because oh. in the Super Bowl, you need big plays to win a big game. And he's definitely one of those guys that can make a big play for us. And he just sat on the bench and watched like we did, you know. Yeah. I, I found that hugely disappointing. So before we move on to our free agent list, um, Nathaniel wants to know about uh, everyone who was at Liverpool. How was the night? Tell us, Deepak. It was really, really good fun. It was great, great fun. Um, meeting all the guys. A couple um, I was meeting for the first time. There's a good few that I've known from before. We all got together. We had some drinks. We checked into the hotel. And, you know, we were virtually inseparable the rest of the night. And... A team that grieves together grows together, and we definitely grieved together. But we had a terrific time. You know, we had it was really, really good. Our guys are just amazing. You know, Jimmy Brewster came down from Warrington. He wasn't going to come, but he came. You know, James was there. Kev Nalen came all the way from Crawley. I think he traveled the furthest. Uh, Mike Farron came from Carlisle. A lot of people travel big, big distances to share the night with us, and. Uh, you know, we unveiled our flag and had pictures taken with it. I mean, you know, our guys are a credit to the sport and credit to this, this team. Absolutely. A credit to the fan base. This group is like no other fan base I have ever been a part of. The group dynamics were were not clicky. Everybody liked everybody. Everybody spoke mm-hmm. to everybody. There wasn't anybody who was sort of left to one side or anything like that, you know, and... It was really great. And the Irish car bombs, well, they taste just like chocolate milk. (laughs) Oh, I'd be in trouble. (laughs) Oh, trust me, you would be. (laughs) Let me ask you guys something. I found, especially after, you know, because I'm being in Chicago um, after Sunday night, come, come Monday morning, I kind of stopped looking at the at the feeds for the 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 group there I don't know who some of these people are there the negativity was was really bad you know giving up on Jimmy giving up on this giving up on Shanahan everything and I was just like you know I don't need this right now um we're all you know licking our wounds and trying to pick up the pieces here and I guess you know like we're faithful and that means through thick and thin and to not constantly, you know, criticize to the point of suggesting that we, we need new new players or new 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 coach or what have you. And it's like, come on guys, let's not let's not pick this apart just yet. Let's not we we needed to process this and I guess it the, the negativity really weighed on me and I just had to turn it all off. I haven't watched anything on the news about it uh-huh. i was coming home just now from aaron's and i hear down in kansas city which is not in kansas so anybody wants to know um <laughs> you know the, the fans are braving the cold weather you know for the parade and it's like i just had to change the station i just i can't uh-huh. listen to any of it and it was hard you know reading the posts from from some of the of the the, the fan base and again i don't know whether these are newcomers or bandwagoners or truly faithful you know long time faithful but it was it was it's hard to hear that that criticism like that and uh i don't think it was it particularly helpful no it never is but at the same time you know it's almost therapy for certain people to do that because we've lost a very very contagious you know a game that we should have won and somebody to blame and it makes them feel better to get whatever it is and that 
It's anger mostly. Um, I think our group has been pretty good about it on the whole, but some of the other groups are ridiculous. Should we fire mm -hmm. Shanahan? Should we fire, fire Garoppolo? Why is Kittle not playing? <laughs> you know, this sort of stuff. And I'm like, I read that yeah. and I think you you just need to let this sit in your own system for a few few weeks and process it properly. You're just, writing, you're just writing any old garbage that goes into your head, you know, and if that makes yeah. you feel better, fine, but I'm not going to entertain any of that with a reply. Mm -mm. It's not worth your time or your energy, you know. There's always going to be changes that are going to be needed to the team for it to grow and improve. But I've said it all year, I'm going to beat that horse again. We never expected to get as far as we did. Ever, ever, ever did we think we were going to come in and be in the Super Bowl, let alone have a winning record. What's been so glorious about this? You know, mm -hmm. it, it's just, you know, from the start of the season, you know, and it's like, you know, oh my goodness, how did this happen? And you think of these last several years and the pain that we've all gone through and, uh, you know, just the complete angst. And then look at this, this season, it was game by game by game and, and, and just taking it each week as it came and yes, we didn't win. Um, you know, it's, it, I just, I marvel on the fact that we, that we made it to begin with. Yeah. I mean, you know, let's make no bones about it. We were unknowingly probably the best team in the NFL last season. And I'd still yep. say we're the best team in the NFL, even the Super Bowl. I think the Chiefs won because we said, here, have this. We don't want it. Yeah, we don't want to play with this toy anymore. This trophy, you have it. You, you need it more than we do. That's exactly how I felt when we lost the game, because I can't explain it any other way. And that's how I process <laughs> things. But, yeah. you know, yes, it was a journey that blindsided all of us, but... I just felt after the bye week, every single game felt like a playoff game for us. I must win. I must win. We have to win in New Orleans. We have to win in Baltimore. We have to win in Seattle. Mm -hmm. And I think all of those things have uh, has been a huge benefit to this team. I think it's made the players mentally stronger because they've literally played three quarters of a season under pressure cooker conditions mentally where they've had to perform. You know, And although we never managed to do the comeback which we shouldn't have had to come back from anyway, I think right. the seeds are there in terms of the whole experience of a season like that, the intensity of the playoffs and the intensity and the real hard lesson of knowing how stupid, stupid mistakes can cost you the biggest prize of all. I think people will learn from that, you know, from the coach down to the people on the sidelines that everybody wonders why they're there in the first place, you know. Um, I think it's going to be a, good learning experience and mm -hmm. I truly anticipate certainly advanced playoff position next year if not a repeat of the Super Bowl not every team goes back to back to a Super Bowl but why can't we look at what we've got you know we have the pieces we just need to you know shore up a few things and and we can easily be back there and win it how do you guys feel about about Salah I love him I'm on the bandwagon there totally you know and and when he's fired up and the defense is fired up everything's great and then it, it's like you, you start looking at the sideline and when he's quiet you know well the, the defense is going and it's like why are we so inconsistent on that I'm a little bit on the fence with that guy more so after he played a prevent defense on that third and 15 when you play a prevent defense it prevents you from doing one thing that's winning a game 
Uh, I think he hides a little bit behind the talent, but at the same time, I love the enthusiasm that he shows on the sidelines. He's very attached to his players. And that's not an X's and O's thing. That's actually a human thing, which is very, very important that your players see their coach pleased with them and happy for them. You know, it makes them want to play more. So I'm 50-50 on on Salah. Uh, I'm very glad he didn't take a, a head coaching job but I think yeah. a quality coach will eventually go, you know. It's just critical yeah. that we keep our head coach. Shani is definitely the guy for the f- future of our franchise. He 100% is the coach for us. And we definitely seem to be on the cusp of something great. I mean, this was a fabulous year. I'm looking forward to many more fabulous years in the future. So let's talk about the players that we could potentially lose in this offseason as free agency starts, I think, next week. Um, we have to talk about that. <laughs> well, my question is more of, of the people on this list, who should we look at keeping? We've got Emmanuel Sanders, Jimmy Ward, Jason Verrett, Garrett Selleck, Eric Armstead, Sean Coleman, Ben Garland, Levine Tololo, Demontre Moore, Jordan Matthews, Dante Johnson, Sheldon Day, Anthony Zettel, Ronald Blair. You know Kittle's going to get the money. Well, they'd be stupid if they didn't give him the money. Come on. But, I, you know, for me, I, you know, I don't know about how you guys feel about it, but for me, I would like us to retain Sanders, Ward, Armstead, Moore. I think I agree with you. I don't think of all those names that you just just said, there's so many of them that you never hear from week to week. Mm-hmm. And it's like, what's their contribution? We, we, need, we need to have people that we're talking about week to week. It's also a question of, do they want to stay? Manny Sanders has been a little bit too vocal about wanting to play for the Raiders. And I think some players will go out for who's going to pay them the most money, which is fair enough. You know, that's their right to do. It is a business. Eric Armstead might probably be one of those that will hold out for a bigger contract. We could franchise him, but, you know, he he could cost us a lot of money to keep. But I believe that would be money very well spent because he's a a cornerstone of our defense. Mm -hmm. He he plays very well. He plays good complementary football with the defensive line. Um, Jimmy Ward, oh, gosh, have to keep him. Um, (laughs) I think he's been outstanding. The rest, I think, we could perhaps do away with them because in free agency, if you can get somebody who's got something to prove on a year's contract that doesn't cost us much, you know, it's not going to hurt the cap. And if they do come good, then we've got something to bargain with. But I truly believe we need more big play players, players who can make a big, big play. We have a couple, but only a couple. We can't be just the George Kittle show every single week, you know. Yeah. He needs a buddy. No. He needs a buddy, a, a stud receiver like Megatron, one of those types, you know. We need that. And we also need a good left tackle to protect Garoppolo from defensive mm-hmm. pass rushes. Because let's be honest here, you can defend Garoppolo till the cows come home, but he's not very good at managing a pass rush coming towards him. You know, it's it's nothing good ever happens when that happens. He'll throw the ball away and get intercepted or, or something like that. So we need a good left tackle to protect him. But yeah, I would not want to lose Armstead. If I had to say just keep one out of that group, it would be Eric Armstead. He'd be the one that I keep. Well, he's definitely been consistent. He's been strong. He, yeah, I mean, that's why he's on my list. 
looking at some of these others that Lisa, you had said, you know, I don't know those names. Yeah, well, we do. We've heard them. And, you know, the, I think for me, you know, looking at these defensive linemen who are on the on the bubble, um, who are free agents, excuse me, in the coming weeks, they look like they're all making league minimum anyway. So we could probably get complimentary players for the same price because we do want to pay people like Eric Armstead. We do want to pay people like George Kittle. And we only have, what are we, 20 million under the cap right now? I haven't looked that up recently, but you know, we, we do have to worry about the cap, you know, that's going to be a a thorn in our side as long as there is a cap. So, you know, we are coming up on hitting that cap. So we got to be careful. But we're also going to make a little bit more space in that cap. There's Dante Pettis, who I don't even think was in a uniform for the Super Bowl. He won't be, he won't be around next season. I don't think Goodwin will be around next season. And uh, Garrett Selleck, Apparently he's thinking of retiring, you know, so that's money there already, which probably goes towards Armstead, you know. Well, and some of those monies, though, are going to be earmarked for those players that we don't keep because it's written into the contract that way. That's always the fun piece, too. Yeah, so I think, you know, we are going to be losing a little bit more than just some of those. I can't see it any way back for Dante Pettis, certainly Mm -hmm. not as a 49. And I, yeah, and as much as we all know how much I love Keese. I really don't see Marquise Goodwin back on our team either. No, I don't. But I think Goodwin is more likely to be picked up by another NFL team. Um, yes. I hope so. Does, yeah. You know, so I think he, he probably will, but uh, not Pettis. And wish him much luck with it too. All the good wishes. Well, I think that pretty much wraps up our post-Super Bowl show. Anything else you guys want to add? Yeah, it's... Um, what can I say? It's, it's, it's been such a, an incredible season that's literally had a line drawn through it because of silly mistakes in one game. You know, um, I know the positive thing is to look back on what a great season it was, but it's just really, really hard when you surrender something so important with such little resistance. It's just so hard. But roll on September, it's a long, long time coming, but I do believe this team will be stronger than it was this time around and it's going to be harder because we've got a target on our back people know what Mm -hmm. we're about we're not who have you played where you haven't played anybody good just get out the way we're not those 49ers anymore now nope they're going to start taking notice yeah and also the division that we're in is going to improve you know the cardinals are improving they were showing signs of improvement last season you know the rams are, are always solid seattle is always going to be a difficult game. So we could potentially be playing in a division where three teams go to the playoffs. So, yeah, you know, we're going to have to do it the hard way next season, but we did it the hard way this season. You know? And I think <laughs> we have every reason to be really super confident that we can do it again, you know? Absolutely. I, I hope they can play the Bears in Chicago next season. Oh, that would be cool. I'm going just for the Giordano's pizza. Oh, <laughs> you've got to come here. I've got to show you the real Chicago pizza, Deepak. Oh, my, my house I... is open. My house is open. Meet up at Lisa's. Meet up at mine. <laughs> yep. Well, I can do a, I can do a, a double hit. I can, I'll can. i rent a car from South Bend and then drive to Chicago to meet you for the night again. There oh. you go. Well, South, <laughs> there you South Bend, go. That, that's where my son's wedding is in August. Aww. 
Uh-huh. Notre Dame family haircut. Yep. <laughs> well, on that note, I think we're going to wrap up our final episode of season five. Thank you once I'll again. I'll have a, a bite of chocolate. It'll make us feel better. There you go. Thanks to Audionautics.com for the music. Thanks to Andy Mitchell, Daryl Nils Handman, Deepak Gohill, Graham Ross, James Little, Jason Argo, Mark Lyon, Nathaniel James, Neil Jepson, Paul McDonald, Rob Newell, Ross Irwin, Simon Holdsworth, and Stephen Box for all the work they do on the show and in the group. My apologies if I missed anyone. And if you would like to be involved in the show, just let us know. We're always looking for members to help out, contribute, or appear on the show. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Niner Empire GB, and on Facebook, search for the group Niner Empire GB. Be sure you check out the Frequency 49 blog on Podbean or your favorite podcast site. You can also email us at Frequency49Show at gmail.com. Thank you once again to everyone for listening throughout the year. We enjoy bringing this to you each week. Thanks again to Deepak Gohill and Lisa Lawrence for joining me today. Time to say goodbye, guys. Bye, everybody. See you next season. Be faithful. We will catch you in the off-season when we cover the draft and free agency. That's it. Bye. Oh, look at the sad. <laughs>